Welcome to The Mockingcast, the podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm David Zoll, your host, and in just a few moments, I'll be joined by my co-hosts, Sarah Condon and RJ Heyman. We come to you every other Friday to explore a few of the places where we currently see grace and its absence playing out in unexpected and compelling ways. We're glad to have you with us. Praise the Lord. Well, we've come to the end of our mini episodes, our minisodes, <laughs> minisode number three. I know we said we wouldn't say that again, but here I am. Can we just say again. Minnesota? Like every time I bring like, my will is bound. I'm going to keep saying Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. In fact, that's the, that is not the bondage of the will. I can choose not to say it. I just want to. Um, uh, today, we're here to talk about hope. And, um, <laughs> you know, the thing with feathers, as Emily Dickinson RJ. said. And that's, the, that's the clouds lifting, you know, the sun coming oh, okay. through as the hope like... reaches the earth. <laughs> you know? <laughs> hope. Uh, <laughs> hope is such an incredible word. It's such a, you know, common word. It's kind of a bit of a cliched word. I think it's often confused with optimism. And clearly, if you've if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know that it's uh, we're not very optimism is not how, what I would how I would describe at least my two co-hosts. Um, I just saw my therapist this week, and she was like, "You should be more optimistic about things." I was like, "I don't. You should know." We do hope. We don't do optimism. Don't tell me what to do. We do hope. <laughs> Uh, there's a couple of definitions for hope I would would read, but I would start with you know reading simply that great passage from uh, Romans uh, chapter eight, verse twenty four through twenty six, because it also ties into what we talked about last time, the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul writes, "For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently." In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, tying of hope to not the sort of ability, something to be summoned within oneself. Um, One of the uh, um, definitions that we've gone with over the years, I think uh, Scott Jones brought this one to our attention a few years ago from Adele Bestavros, the Egyptian theologian, who wrote, uh, uh, classically said, uh, patience with others is love. Patience with self is hope. Patience with God is faith. But patience with self is hope. And it rhymes sort of, you know, uh, uh, intellectually with um, something that Glenn Tinder, the philosopher, once wrote. He said that hope is willingness to entrust our lives to time. Mm. Sin is evasion of time. In giving way to nostalgia, for example, we flee from time into the past. To entrust your life to time, however, is to acknowledge the impermanence and imperfection of all worlds, meaning all of our control. It is to dwell within the situation in which time has placed you, suffering and doing what you must, in the faith that by submitting to the demands of time, you are submitting to the demands of God, the Lord of time. Now that's a little kind of hard to wrap our heads around, but hope is the willingness to entrust our lives to time, patience with the self. It is that, it is unseen. Um, 
Is hope just, I hope it'll, I, is it just a substitute for wishing? I don't think so. In Christianity, hope is really, my hope is is found in, in, in Jesus. It's not found in my, it's not an emotion. Uh, it's not even really even a position. It is a sort of a, 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 a historical reality that uh, hope is Jesus Christ, is the resurrection of the dead, is these things. Even when I, I you know, it's hope for the hopeless. It's meaning I it's not it's not a new law that I have to somehow summon hope within myself. So I don't know. That's a lot of different sort of words to wrap around hope. What do you guys think of when you think of hope? I mean, I think I am a very hopeful person. Um, but I'm not a particularly happy person. Um, and people are often thrown off by that. So like I have this chiropractor who I really love, who I see a couple times a month and she will say things to me like about my, like I have bad, I have really bad feet and neck issues and stuff. And she'll, she'll say something like encouraging to me about how we're going to like, we'll do this and we'll figure it out. Physical therapy. And I'll be like, to be honest with you, like the really good news is like, it all ends up in a coffin. Am I right? Like we ain't got to worry too much about it. <laughs> and like she freaks out every time I say that. But for me, like that is where my hope is on some level. Is that like, I know that's so dark, but it is like, that it is not on me to get everything right. It's not actually on me to get anything right, that I have a very fixed amount of time here. And I feel like people can often confuse that with like these like, you know, YOLO kind of things. But for me, it's like I have this fixed amount of time here. And I can't believe that like Jesus loves me in the midst of this. And then I go home to him Mm. And I find that to be very hopeful. Mm. Um, I mean, I say that carefully just because I have so many friends who struggle with depression and, and anxiety in pretty profound ways. And, you know, the word we always use, which uh, is it is another sort of hope gets used in all these weird ways, is hopelessness. We'll say, well, they're, they're, they will say, like, I'm hopeless. Like, you know, I feel I have no hope. And... um I think that is in some ways confusing hope with happiness, right? But I know that they, um, so I mean, for some of my friends, they desire death much sooner. And so I do want to acknowledge that. But for me, like hope and happiness have, happiness kind of has ruined hope on some level. Because um, I think about that passage, um, which is also from Romans earlier, the Romans 5. It was the first, so I I have to say to you guys, like, you know, I really had to read Paul kind of all by myself in seminary because we weren't really reading Paul in seminary. Um, and so I, I definitely, if you've seen um, Fleabag and there's a moment where she's reading the Bible and she's, for the first time and she's sitting in the bathtub and she's like, I can't believe this is in here. Like that was me reading Paul. And he says, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character hope. And this hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And I, you know, I, I know that that verse gets misused, like people, people use that character word in sort of a David Brooksy kind of way. And, um, I just think that means sort of humanity. You know what I mean? Like our, like our, our, the, the, 
the way that Jesus has saved us. Like that's our character at this point. And so through that, we're given hope and hope does not disappoint us. Mm. So that's beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. That's exactly the verse I was thinking of. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Suffering yep. produces hope, right? Yeah, like you just take does. out the middle part of that math equation Accepting and it's true. Accepting hardships as the pathway yes. to peace, as Reinhold Niebuhr yes. says in the serenity prayer, which is just, um, we could do one of the, so, we could do one of the theology of the cross as well. Uh, right. But I know when I've been in dark places, um, well, I think the first thing I think about our, the first Minnesota we did on the Holy Spirit, there is something so powerful about presence, right? That the, the biblical word, the New Testament word for the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, which comes from the Greek word parakaleo, which means to be called to someone's side, to call to call a presence to be next to you. And the sense that whatever we are going through, whatever we're experiencing, whatever pain we're enduring or joy we're enjoying, God is with us always, even to the end of the age, as Jesus promised by the power of the Holy Spirit. So just the presence of God in the midst of our day-to-day lives is such a huge encouragement. Um, but more specifically, there were three things I, I've, there are three things historically I've held on to and I've been in sort of dark places. One was that God did actually love me, despite all evidence to the contrary. Number two was that somehow mysteriously, and this kind of comes out of the first part of Romans 8, which I love, um, somehow mysteriously, everything that was happening was a product of his love for me, not his judgment, not his absence, not his abandonment, but his love, even if it didn't feel like it, it was actually a product of his love. And that as you said, number three, Sarah, someday I would be in a place with him and those that I love, where there would be no more pain, suffering, mm-hmm. anxiety, struggles, bills to pay, taxes to pay, <laughs> you know, all these yeah. things, you know, colleges to apply to, whatever it might be. So those three things I found created a tremendous amount of hope. His love, his action, and and the where this all ends up, right? That it is mm-hmm. just, it's, life is, it, life is longer than it used to be, it's still pretty short. Exactly. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, we're all kind of worm food and there's tremendous freedom in that, that not that important. I'm just not that important. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm loved. I'm loved right. and he's with me, but I just don't matter that much. And there's a right. tremendous amount of freedom and hope in that. And the thing that we, when we, when it says that suffering produces hope, I think that what people hear when they, a lot of times they say that is that in your suffering, you must keep your hope. Oh, be hopeful. Be oh my hopeful. gosh. No, and that's no, no. not the same oh, thing. No. It's suffering produces hope. It's like every time, you know, I, I, I know that, you know, for example, in my relationship with my wife, remember the, the first time you have that super serious fight and you're like, oh my gosh, <sighs> we, we, we have no hope. And then life somehow goes on. And then somehow yeah. the next time it happens, you're like, this is terrible. And I've remember this and it, it still may be survived. the end, 
But then you're mm-hmm. like, but I think we survived this once before. And then over and over mm-hmm. again, you're like, wait a second, I think we can actually withstand this. And that's something like hope, I think. But oftentimes where the way hope is misused is when someone is going through a dark time and you sort of condemn them for their failure to hope. Oh. And that is where we are sort of use hope to hold on to a theology of glory. We 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 think, oh, I've I've lost hope, which means actually you that mm-hmm. usually means you are in the midst of some new hope being born. And the way to surefire to sort of quench hope is to uh, uh, condemn oneself, another person, for not holding on to their former hope. Because a lot of times when we give up hope, it was hope in the wrong thing. And the new hope is being born. And it's this death and rebirth cycle that we have. Not It's not a Buddhistic thing. It's a Jesus Christ thing. And it is a theology of the cross. And it's everything that uh, we read about in Romans, I think. So hope is something that I think is given to us and oftentimes given to us through suffering. And this is why, um, you know, the, the most hopeful people I trust are always the ones who, uh, we had a we had a Mockingbird supporter who died recently and I, all I, they were monthly supporters and they would send in a check and um, maybe, maybe, maybe his widow was listening because they're the most wonderful people. And I, I cried when I got this uh, envelope because it had his memorial service. I didn't know he was sick and I found out he was this incredible chef and everything. But I knew because they'd come to a conference in which RJ had spoken about hope amidst the ruins and the way hope actually works. And we'd continually talked about self-harm and suicide. And I knew that this man had lost not one, but two children, one to addiction and one to suicide. And yet he was the person that I had hope. And it wasn't flaky hope. It wasn't just like denial hope. It was a hope that was, was willing to talk about real things and would responded to that conference and that word that we were talking about the cross and about hope being born through these things, suffering producing something that was rock solid and love and love for his wife and love for us and these strangers and and all this stuff. And I thought to myself, now that's a man with hope and not a man who was, seemed super happy and not a man that seemed super optimistic, but he had hope because the worst had happened and yet God was still with him. I I think that's beautiful. And I also, I think I want to say that if you are in a conversation with someone and they are hurting and having a hard time, and this is definitely an experience I have, um, frankly, if people aren't Christian, if I'm hurting or having a hard time, or people who are Christian and just really good at it, um, they'll say something about being hopeful or being happy, or being cheerful, or they'll be like, oh, but you know what, this whole thing. So, which to me actually just speaks to their own hopelessness, right? That they can't for a moment bear with me the pain that I'm going through, and they need to just like pull themselves out of it because they don't have anything that they're holding on to. Um, and Dave, I love what you're saying that like, it's like literally, it's it reminds me of actually your, the best devotional in the Mockingbird <laughs> devotional, the one that Mary's Let's all wrote it. about Joe, right? One. Like. Yep. It's so good. And it's just about like, you know, if only his friends would have shut up sort of, you know, it's like if only we would just like give each other a minute to find hope again and not demand happiness or joy or any of these other things that you like can't fabricate. Mm. But that's what, I mean, that's why silent presence with someone in the midst of their suffering is the most hopeful thing you can possibly do because Mm -hmm. it's bearing witness 
that there is someone else there. Mm-hmm. It's like a midwife who almost. is present, who who oh who gosh, offers yeah. who offers a love that never ends. And and um, and whether or not you say something or do something or it just doesn't matter because mm-hmm. there's someone else. And even when you've lost hope, this presence um, doesn't stop loving and doesn't stop saving and doesn't stop being present. So it's bearing witness to the reality of the Holy Spirit present in, um, and active, not just present, but present and active. Um, though we know not how. The last, uh, like death call I had to do at the hospital when I was in that work and how different it was from like the first time, you know, um, our day, you know, when you were in seminary, they have you do clinical pastoral education. So you have to go into a hospital and do that kind of work as like a first year seminarian. And you are just a complete train wreck and a mess and like walk into one room after another and make mistakes. You talk too much. You probably tell people to be happy or hopeful, you know, like the last death call I had to do was this like woman who'd been dying for forever. And, um, her husband was there and her kids were there and they were, everyone in the room was like 20 years older than me and more, you know? And I remember just standing there and being quiet the whole time. I just stood in the room, was quiet the whole time. And then one of them said, mom really loved, and it was some hymn. And I can't even remember what it was. It may have been Amazing Grace. It was something really simple. Can anyone sing? And you know, like a lot of priests, I grew up singing in church. And I was like, well, I can sing Amazing Grace. I literally, the only thing I did was I sang Amazing Grace to this family while she died. And then I left the room. You know what I mean? Like it, that, that was like, that was such a moment for me because I, I knew it was my last death call I was going to do as a chaplain. And I was like, wow, this is so different. Like having to be with people in their hopelessness and not try to fix it is, is you know, it's a it's a gift to be able to experience that. Mm. Well, it's uh, incredible how these uh, mini-sodes have all worked together as a trilogy, kind of a trilogy of hope. Let's face it. So um, you too, I just uh, will um, reconvene in August for some fresh uh, material and fresh new beats, fresh new beats <laughs> and grateful for you. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk in the meantime, uh, but uh, thanks for, thanks for recording today. Thanks Happy Dave. Summer. Thanks Sarah. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can find us on the web at www.mbird.com. And we'd always love to hear from you at info at mbird.com. Audio production for The Mockingcast is provided by the Narrativo Group. And if you like what you've heard, please do drop over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Until next time, 